Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four might even venture into chapter five. It's a really, really good chapter, and ask that you, uh, if you want to read along or read it when you get home. Uh, the Apostle Paul is is uh, addressing in his ministry. Uh, he addresses some of the. Uh, challenges that he personally faces as well as other ministers as well as children of God in general and he gives us encouragement on how that we're able to handle the burdens and challenges Uh, brother Craig prayed and we share the burden that he prays about uh, things being in such uh, turmoil and disarray And we can look around and it looks like that that is the case. And oftentimes it bothers us and and burdens us down, whether it be things in our own lives or things in the lives of others or things in the country in which we live. And sometimes it gets so overwhelming or overburdensome that you you just want a way out or you want to just quit. Um, let's look at what Paul said. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you why you can't quit. I'm going to tell you why you're able to continue on. I'm going to tell you what it is that you have that enables you to keep on keeping on. Let's, uh, let's look at what Paul says here. Uh, and he's addressing, he's coming from the standpoint of his ministry, and he addresses from the standpoint of the challenges that he's experienced in just preaching the gospel, but I think that we can take that even further than that and apply it in all of our lives, and we can see that one of Satan's greatest tactics, one of his greatest uh, uh, fiery darts is that one of despair and discouragement. But Paul says... I have something and you have something that helps you right in the midst of that discouragement. You may still be discouraged, but you're not going to be overtaken by the discouragement. You may still experience despair, but you're not going to be overtaken by despair. Sometimes God will deliver you from that discouragement and that despair. But whether or not God delivers you from that, whether God or not God delivers and makes whole in every case, God has promised that his grace is sufficient for us. And that's what Paul is teaching us right here in the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, seeing that we had this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. Paul is saying that even though he's been imprisoned, even though he's been shipwrecked, uh, uh, even though he's been left for dead, Paul says, I I still continue on proclaiming and preaching the gospel. I don't know of anyone in the day in which we live that experiences the same thing that the Apostle Paul experienced right here. But we can take this even a bit further and it can be, uh, it can be uh, in our own lives just as life in general. He says, I want to tell you why we faint not. First of all, he says we've received mercy from God. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. 
But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Well, first of all, there's some folks that they will never have an appreciation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's some folks that not only won't ever have an appreciation for it, but they'll actually, if they hear it, they'll have animosity and hatred toward the things of God. There are some folks that are not children of God. They are not children of God. They will never be children of God. It's referred to as the sheep and the goats, and you can't turn a goat into a sheep. But also, he says that the God of this world, and that is Satan himself, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine among them. First of all, if, if one had the ability to believe on their own, if one had the ability to obtain eternal life on their own, then wouldn't you think that when Jesus Christ, the minister of all ministers, was preaching the gospel, that everybody in every sense would receive it? But they didn't. Let's go down. He says, For in whom the God for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. This what this next one I like it so much. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. If you go back to Genesis chapter one and verse three. It says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, you can look at the sun 365 days out of the year, and you can realize the fulfillment of this verse right here. Just as sure as God said, let there be light, and there was light, you have the testimony and the witness of it every time you see the light of day. Whether or not you see the sun shining, you still see the effects of the sun shining, and you realize that what God said when he spoke light into existence, that it happened. Now, he's saying that you have something else, and it's just as sure as God speaking light out of darkness. Let's look at what he says. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. One young lady that was here on Wednesday night told me, she said, Brother Stephen, I, I, I believe I've been having feelings that I've never had before. And I tell you, when God shines his light in our hearts, we have feelings that we've never had before. When God begins to do his work of grace within our heart and shine his light within our heart, 
we experience feelings that we've never had before. And when he says right here, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, we can look around every day and we can see the uh, how sure that was, how effective that was. And he says, just like that, that the same God, by the same power, with the same effectiveness, shines his light in our dark hearts. And when he does... We live. And when, we do, when he does, we begin to have feelings that we didn't have before. And when he does, we begin to manifest it in one fashion or another. Now, you may not always be able to see the sun, but you can generally see the effects of the sun. Even if it's a cloudy day, you're going to see some effect of the sun. And you may not see the full picture of someone that God has shined his light in their heart. But you're going to see that they have life. And you're going to see that they have feelings and experiences different than what they had in the past. But he says, just like God shined his light in this dark world and brought about light. That's exactly how he condenses his spirit down. It's amazing. I, I think about God as a big God. I mean, I, I, I do. He's got this universe in, in its place. And, and I think about God as a, as a big God. And I think about God doing big things. I, I thought it was neat. Sister Peggy, Sister Caroline, your mother said one time, isn't it amazing that God can take that power? Sister Janet, maybe some more sisters here, I'm not sure, but, uh, but that God can take his power and condense it down and shine it into our heart. Now that's pretty neat. The God who has all power, he speaks and says, let there be light. But yet God can condense his power down. If God didn't condense it down... We couldn't handle it. But God condenses it down and shines it directly into our heart and gives us spiritual life. So we can, at a minimum, we can see that there's clearly a difference in an individual that has the Spirit of God within their life and in their heart than somebody that does not. Now, here's the difference. Have you ever had an experience where you've gotten discouraged and, and, or you've had thoughts that you maybe shouldn't have or think something you shouldn't think or say something you shouldn't say and you think to yourself, I wonder really, really and truly, I wonder if I'm one of the Lord's. Now, I don't doubt my brothers and sisters around me, but I wonder if I really am. And then when you get right down to it, God gives you the encouragement to know. But I may not know it 100% all the time. But he gives me a strong consolation in the hope that I have. That I'm not only one of his, but I'm an heir of his amazing grace. That if it's not by his grace then I don't have anything to, I don't have a leg to stand on. 
if it's based on my works, if it's based on my activities, if it's based on anything that I would think, say, or do, then I've, I've, missed, the, I've missed the boat. But my only hope is that it's based on grace. Well, look at what he says. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. He says that God that shined light out of darkness, that that same God hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you what, you may be blessed with a lot of possessions. You may be blessed with a lot of friends. You may be blessed with a lot of wonderful experiences in your life. But I'm going to tell you, this is the greatest experience and blessing that you'll ever experience. That God has put his spirit within your heart. If you've got the spirit of God dwelling in your heart, it wasn't because you were so good and God looked down upon you and said, boy, he's well deserving of that. No, it's because God had mercy upon you. He says that God who shined and commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. First of all, we can't even have an appreciation for Christ, for his glory, for his goodness, for heaven itself, if we don't have that spirit that's dwelling on the inside of us. Having this knowledge of Christ is not what gives us the spirit in our life. But having the spirit in our life is what will manifest itself. And when you hear about Christ and when you learn about Christ and when you read about Christ, you're going to want to know more about Christ. You're going to say, you know what, that suits my case. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. I don't know uh, the, the, the solutions for everything. But one thing I know is that I have a hope in Christ. I have a hope that I'm going to be with him in glory, not based on what I've done, but based upon what he's done. And here's what Paul said. He said to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he says, but we have, and look how he describes this. You may have great riches. You may have a big savings account. You may have large IRA accounts. You may have a big fine home. You may have a a lot of friendships. You may have a great education. All of those things come way down the list compared to what he says right here. Look what he refers to it as. He says, for we have, and he refers to it. He says, we have this treasure. Treasure is something that's really valuable. It's really special. And he says we have this treasure in these earthen vessels. That means these old bodies that we carry around. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I, I think Paul's giving us a little bit of, a, little bit of in, insight right here. We, we wonder why, sometimes we wonder why God designs things the way he does. 
why God arranges things the way that he does. Uh, Do you ever question why God does some things the way he does or why he did some things the way he did? I, I realize his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But here's one little bit of insight right here. If you ever wonder why God does things the way he does, why did God arrange salvation the way he did? Why does God do things the way that he does? You know, Brother Steve said that, that uh, in, in the scriptures, if we were writing it, we'd probably leave some stuff out. And, and, and probably we'd leave, uh, we'd leave a portion of it out that does address our lives. But here, he says right here, that God does things the way that he does things, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He does things the way he does so that he gets the credit for it. He does things the way he does so that he gets the glory for it. And I I fully believe that that's the reason that God designed the way of salvation, the way that he did, is so that he gets all the credit and he gets all the glory. Now, if I could help save myself or somebody else, I just know myself full well enough to know. I don't have to tell you, but I know myself full well enough to know that I'd try to claim some of the credit to help in salvation. But God didn't need me. God saves his sinners without the assistance of men. Jesus Christ did it upon the cross of Calvary. And when he declared with full authority that it is finished, the father was satisfied with the work that he had done. He did it completely and in full. So he did it in such a way that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And also in the gospel that comes forth. God could have, God could have called sinless angels to preach the gospel if he had wanted to do that. God could have created another method of delivering the gospel. But God uses feeble men with like struggles and like passions. And the gospel comes forth and it comes forth in a manner That the man is not to be glorified, but that God is. I've known situations where folks began to honor the man, and the Lord took him out of the picture. I knew one situation, his life ended just like that. God's not going to give his glory to another. And God's designed it in a simple fashion that he gets the glory and the praise. Now, Paul said, we're troubled on every side. Anybody here ever feel like you're troubled on every side or at least one side? How about multiple sides? Paul said, he said, I'm a preacher of the gospel. He said, everywhere I go preach... They don't come up and give me the right hand of fellowship and bid me Godspeed afterwards. They escort me to prison and I'm beaten for preaching the gospel. Paul said, we're troubled on every side. Does it ever seem like that just nothing's going right? In, maybe in the country or in the workplace or in your family or with your children or with your parents. It just seems like that 
that bad things are happening so fast that you almost have to write them down to keep track of them. It seems like that we've got trouble on every side that we have to almost go down a mental list of, of all the troubles that we feel like we're supposed to remember. And you think, how am I even continuing on in the midst of all these troubles? Maybe you're saying, well, I hadn't had quite that many troubles and I really don't want to be introduced to it. But if you ever do experience it, this is for you. If you've never had troubles, this is not for you. If everything has gone well and smooth and you never have difficulties or hardships, you never experience uh, discouragement, this is not for you. But this is for the folks that have troubles. Paul said, we're troubled on every side. But we're not overtaken by that trouble. We're not distressed. Well, maybe you don't have trouble. How about this one? We are perplexed. Anybody ever experienced being perplexed? If you don't, then you have all the answers. You know all the answers all the time. But that doesn't describe most of us. He says we're perplexed. But he said, what happens when you're perplexed? You remember Jehoshaphat said, he said, uh, neither know we what to do. Jehoshaphat was just saying, I'm perplexed. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is. I'm almost to the point of, of giving up. He says we're perplexed, but he says, Paul says, in the midst of being perplexed, he says we're not in despair. Anybody ever been persecuted? I've not, I've not uh, personally experienced or known of anyone that's that's uh, that's been persecuted for the for the message of the gospel. But it is very likely in the day in which we live. That if things continue and God could intervene and God could turn things around and God may or God may allow us in this country to experience persecution for the message of Jesus Christ. If you heard Elder Bradley this morning, you heard a reference to that in in his message. I haven't known anyone persecuted, but I know there have been a lot that have been for the message of the gospel. Well, maybe you haven't been persecuted. Maybe you've not experienced being perplexed or troubled. How about uh, how about this one? Cast down. Now, really and truly, I'd like to be upbeat all the time. That's I, that's just not, I'd like to be like Sister Perry. I mean, I'd like to view life and face life and be upbeat all the time, just like Sister Perry. And maybe I could fly past 100 and hit 102 and still be going strong. But you know what? That's not the norm. And she probably has times of despair. But he says right here that sometimes we get cast down. Something can happen at work. Something can happen at school. Something can happen at home. Something can happen in your own life. Something can happen with your children. Something can happen in your relationship between others and you get cast down. Sometimes 
Sometimes we get cast down just because of self, not somebody else. I don't know about you, but my biggest problem is me. That's my, that's my biggest problem. And you know what? Sometimes me causes me to get cast down. Well, the reason that we're not destroyed is because on all of those things, he says we're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. The reason that we're able to be, that we're able to endure and even experience a measure of victory in the midst or even overcome these experiences is because of that spirit of God that's dwelling on the inside. That when God spoke light into existence, that God also speaks with the same power, with the same precision. He speaks that life-giving voice into each one of us, and he blesses us with his spirit. And that's what keeps us from pitching in the town. Now, I don't know about you. I have an idea because you're here. My cell phone runs down. When I start getting a lot of texts and phone calls, it runs down sometimes a couple times in a day. And I've got a charger that I put it on and I plug it in. I don't understand the difference. Brother Steve's an electrician. He's very, very qualified in this. He could explain it. I have, a, I have a one charger. You can plug it into the same outlet and it's a quick charge. And I mean, it'll charge it pretty quick. And I have another charger, and it just seems like it takes forever. In fact, if you're having to make phone calls and it's on the charger, it still will run down. Did you know that when we go to the house of the Lord, it's like a quick charge for us. We can be pretty run down. We can be pretty discouraged. We can be pretty cast down. We can be somewhat perplexed. I I, I can't tell you many times that I remember going to church and I was perplexed about something and the minister would address it. And he had no idea that I was dealing with that particular struggle or, or decision in my life. And God blessed even through the preaching of the gospel to give direction to the point that it helped me to overcome being perplexed. Going to the house of the Lord should be for old folks, for young folks, for everybody. It ought to be a quick charge for us. And it's going to help us get through the next week. Now, if you lose charge through the week, come on Wednesday night. That'll help you. That'll give you maybe a slow charge, but you'll at least get some charge if you come on Wednesday night. It'll be a blessing to you. Well, let's look at what he says. This is, this is real good. He says, always bearing about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Paul says, I want to live and manifest Christ, whether it's by my life, whether it's by my death. He says in Philippians chapter 1, he, let's, let's go on down to uh, verse uh, 
verse 15, for all things are for your sakes. I think that's interesting. Paul is saying, I'm a minister of the gospel called of the Lord. But he said, the gospel that I proclaim, he said, one of the benefits and blessings that I get to see from it is how that it benefits you. That's exciting. When you see individuals where the gospel, where the spirit has touched their life and then the gospel comes and brings about a change in their life. How that it encourages. I I think of, uh, and everybody here can remember this wonderful example. I think about Brother Herb. He was a great example of how that the spirit of God encouraged him and how that the gospel strengthened him. How that the fellowship helped him, even in his latter years, a great example of it. Paul said, we get to see that. He said, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many redound, manifest to the glory or result in the glory of God. God designs it in such a way that he plants his spirit within us. He blesses us to have the preaching of the gospel to help us and encourage us and direct us and to give us a quick charge along the way. And he says, verse 16, I love these next few verses here and then even in chapter 5. For our light affliction. Now, anybody that's ever had an affliction, does anybody here have an affliction right now? I am so glad nobody has afflictions. I bet I, one old sister, almost 100 years old, she said, now, Brother Stephen, you should never say, I'll bet. And I, 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 I still say it sometimes, but I remember that she told me not to say it. So forgive me. Uh, Brother, Brother Sonny Powell says, I can't keep you from sinning. But he says, maybe I can keep you from enjoying sinning. And so um, I expect if you have an affliction... You're not saying right now, well, Brother Stephen, you don't know my affliction because if you did, you wouldn't be calling it a light affliction. In fact, when we have an affliction, usually it's the biggest one in the world. If it's my affliction, it's bad. It's real bad. In fact, I usually want you to know how bad it is. It's just the worst. But Paul says it's really not that bad. He says, it's not that bad, the affliction that you're experiencing right now. God may deliver you from it here in this life, or God may choose not to, but he has promised that his grace is sufficient. But he says right here, and this is how we put it, this is how we put our affliction in perspective right here. He says, for our light affliction, you say, how in the world do you call it a light affliction? Here's how he defines it. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. First of all, does anybody have a concept of eternity? If we take our affliction on this little timeline right here. I appreciated what Sister Marcia's father said to his children. He says, I'll see you again soon in heaven. Well, you know what? It's really not that long. It really isn't that long until we see each other again in heaven. And and so if we look at it, that our affliction at best is for a little season in light of eternity, then it sort of puts it in perspective. It's a little bit lighter. 
He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more at exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, I, I don't understand this fully, but here's one point that you might get from it right here. I, I, I think it simply means that our affliction that we endure here makes us look for and long for more heaven. I mean, there are certain days more than others that, that I'm just ready to go on and be with the Lord. And you know what? It's usually when I've got some afflictions in my life. He says, worketh for us a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. And then he gives us a tip right here. While we look not at the things which are seen, that's everything around us. That's everything in our life. That's our accomplishments. That's our struggles. That's all the things that we encounter in this life. You see, if, if we get... If we get down and we stay down, it's probably because we're not thinking on the right things. If we get down and we stay down, then probably we're either thinking about me or we're thinking about our circumstances and our experiences right now. But Paul says... I want to direct you to think about something better. I want you to think about heaven. I want you to think about Christ. I want you to think about the eternal glory of God. And did you know that when you're thinking on those things, it's hard to be down? It is. Here's what he says. Paul says, this is how we keep on keeping on. While we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen... He says they're temporal. What does that mean? We might need Laura to help us out on that. What does that mean? It's just for a short term. It's for a little while. The things that are seen that are temporal, your experience, even though you may want it to be, you may want to be delivered from it, and God may deliver you from it. But if God chooses not to, he says, by the way, this experience is temporal. He says, the things that we look at, they're temporal. But he says, the things which are not seen. You say, how can I see something that's not seen? Paul tells us that we have an element that we've been given to be able to see things that are not seen. And I believe that we have good evidence that it accompanies this element that we need in order to see things that are not seen. Be able to see things in the future. Be able to see things that are not seen. You have an element to be able to do that. I believe that element comes when God quickens us with his spirit. It may not come in full force or manifest itself fully or in entirety. But that element that he's talking about right there. Say, how in the world can I see things that are not seen? How can I see heaven? How can I see glory? How can I see Christ? How do you see him? Am I talking something that's foreign to you? No. I don't think you would sing about it with such zeal and vigor. That's why your dad had the zeal to sing Rock of Ages like that. Is because he had this element that Paul is talking about right here. He says we see things that are not seen because God has given us this element. This wonderful gift of faith. Faith helps us to see things that you're not going to see without it. 
He says, we look not at the things which are temporal, but we look at the things we do that by the eye of faith. Now, I would encourage you to read chapter 5. It is so good. Just going to hit a couple of verses here as we wrap it up. For we know that if our earthly house, that's this body of this tabernacle, were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. That just simply means... I want to go on and be where, there. In fact, I, I'm, I'm out of here. Have you ever, ever heard older folks say that? Say, well, really and truly, I'd just soon go ahead and be with the Lord. And yet Paul told them, he says, but you're still here for a reason. It may not be for your benefit, but it may be for the benefit of others that you're still here. But still, deep down in us, we want to go be with the Lord. And Paul describes it here that we're groaning that we want to be with the Lord. In, in, in that, he says, in, the, in this tabernacle, we do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, I'm so glad that not only mortality, but sin and all the stuff that goes along with it's going to be swallowed up. And that's enough to make us groan to want to go on and be with the Lord to know that we're going to be delivered from self. And all that comes along with it. And then Paul describes it right here. Verse 6 says, Therefore we are always confident knowing this, that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, from the very presence of the Lord in body. For we walk by faith and not sight. In verse 8, he says, Wherefore, he says, We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I believe that simply means that when we pass from this life, that immediately when we're absent from the body, immediately our spirit goes up to be with the Lord and we're in the presence of the Lord. Our soul and our spirit does not go to a, a holding area that will be taken at some point someday to the Lord. When you are with your loved ones, when you're with your husband or your wife or your children or your grandparents, uh, or your parents or whoever, when they depart from this life, we have the encouragement and the assurance to know that the very minute that our life is, is, is that we draw our last breath upon this earth, that immediately our soul and spirit go to be with the Lord and then they're forever with the Lord. Now God's going to come back someday and he's going to raise these old bodies from the grave. Or wherever they are, if they're strewn around in ashes or they're on the sea or wherever they are, that's not going to be a problem for the Lord. And, and the good news is that not only is he going to gather that together, but, but I'm excited that, that, uh, that he's going to change a few things. This body that's going to be taken home to glory. I don't think you're going to see any walkers or canes or crutches or wheelchairs in heaven. Because that body's going to be changed. I was telling some of them Wednesday night. Most mornings I pull through McDonald's and I get a small cup of regular coffee. And this last week I pulled through there and ordered over the loudspeaker. A small cup of regular coffee. I didn't see anyone. They didn't see me. And she said... It's a dollar six. I said, okay. So I pull around, and then when she sees me face to face, she said, oh, let me refigure that. You get a senior discount. 
For about three minutes, I was stewing over it. I didn't appreciate the 25 cents that I saved. I'd have been glad to pay the full effect. In fact, I was about ready to boycott that McDonald's. But she was just trying to be polite. But the fact of the matter is, this old body, as much as we want to deny it ourselves, sometimes others help remind us that this old body is just decaying. It's this tabernacle that's carrying around this spirit of God. But even though the body may decay, that spirit that's dwelling within you, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get aged. It doesn't decay. It doesn't get dull, but it gets sharper and sharper as the day comes. That gives us something to look forward to, and that's what helps us to get throughout the week. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.